I'm so tired. I am exhausted. This week has been disgusting. This week has felt like 15 years, but in one week. Oh my God. You know what? Honestly, it was like a really enjoyable week. Like a lot of good things happened, but now Mm. I want to crawl under the covers and just have nothing happen for like a month or so. I know. And okay. I asked you this morning, when are we going to have time to recuperate? And you were like, October. (laughs) October. There's so much much happening. Oh my God. Okay. Well, it needs to happen a little less so that we can sleep. I would love to sleep. I would love to sleep, but I would also love to do the intro for this podcast episode. Please do. Okay, everybody, welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the conversational podcast with Middle Eastern flair. My name is Shireen and my co-host is Noor. And today we're going to be talking about sex again. (laughs) It's it's part two. It's part two of the sex episode, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. (laughs) And we are so excited to get into even more nitty gritty. Yes, we are. It's going to be so great. Yeah, so we're going to repeat the trigger warning for this uh, episode. We Mm -hmm. did say it in the last episode. And also, if you haven't listened to the last episode, you should. Um, But trigger warning, and we won't necessarily talk about all of these things, but the fact is that we may mention them. So it's good to be prepared um, because these episodes are not scripted. So we don't know what we're going to talk about. But um, Mm -hmm. so trigger warning for sex, obviously, harassment. Uh, possibly assault, a lot of potentially unpopular opinions, uh, especially Mm -hmm. because we are expressing our views as educated women first and then Arab Muslims second. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do we hope to achieve this episode? So, So last episode, we wanted to kind of push for like being safe and consensual and pleasurable. This episode... Um, what we really want is to talk about talk about talking about sex. <laughs> we want to talk about things that are good, but also things that are possibly bad about it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to talk about readiness. You know, the cultural and religious impact on on this. We might also want to touch a little bit on the sex positive movement. Mm. I know that you and I aren't always 100% on the same page on that one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I feel like maybe some of our listeners just like bristled at that. I'm very sex positive. You guys calm down. I just Yes, very, very, very. I I have some criticisms about the current movement, just the way I have criticisms about like feminism, right? Like no movement. But anyway, let's just get into this then. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Do you want to start us off? Do you want to lead us? I will lead us into, shall we start with what's great about sex? Yeah. I mean, give us those sources, girl. All right. So I have a bunch of tabs open right now. I have WebMD. I have a website called The Greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, G-R-E-A-T-I-S-T. Never heard of that website before, but they've cited everything they said with like actual scientific articles. So mm-hmm. I feel like I can trust them. Uh, the next is Everyday Health. 
I've also got verywellmind.com. I'm not sure how reliable I think the source is, but they have cited their scientific articles, so that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. I also have the NHS, um, Mm -hmm. like the UK's National Health Services. I also have the uh, Canadian um, government website. Mm -hmm. So what's great is that all of these articles state the same benefits which is pretty Okay, that's great. Right, it is. There's I guess about it ranges from 6 from 7 to 16 benefits, which mm-hmm. in some of these cases they're repeating the same benefit in like a variety of ways. Like for example, they say that it improves your uh physical fitness and then they say it improves your cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but generally physical fitness and cardiovascular health tend to go hand in hand for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. So we are going to start with the NHS because that is a government website. So it says that sex is good for your heart. And it's because it is a moderate intensity aerobic activity such as cycling or fast walking. So sex is exercise. It helps. The second thing mentioned on this website is that a hug keeps tension away, uh, which absolutely is true. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you this little section because it's important. Embracing someone special can lower blood pressure, according to researchers. In one experiment, couples who held each other's hand for 10 minutes, followed by a 20-second hug, had healthier reactions to subsequent stress, such as public speaking. Compared with couples who rested quietly without touching, the huggers had lower heart rate, lower blood pressure, smaller heart rate increases, and then it encourages you to give your partner a hug. But I feel like I need to mention that uh, you could hug a friend. Mm-hmm. You could hug a... <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, so like when you were talking about public speaking, so I was like, so if Nuda and I ever talk in public we should hug for 20 seconds backstage precisely i'm like making notes but like i yeah i I, I feel like i understand what this article is saying and they're not wrong but like the whole hugging thing you really get from your childhood if you had affectionate parents um Mm -hmm. which not everybody does but that feeling of safety really comes from being like cradled by a parent or guardian Mm -hmm. or caretaker Also, we should mention that people who are not neurotypical do not necessarily enjoy hugs. And in some cases, it could actually increase heart rate, increase blood pressure, and increase heart rate or speed up heart rate increases, right? Some people don't like to be touched, and that's also fine. Right. So obviously, none of this is universal. Different people have different needs. But um, basically, what it's saying is that physical closeness, being cradled and feeling loved is absolutely beneficial. Hugs are great. Give hugs. Yeah, they're amazing. To people who consent to receiving them. Yeah, you give really good hugs. I give really shitty hugs. No, you don't. I love hugs with you. They're the best. I don't know. My hugs have been criticized because I'm like a bag of bones. It's not oh like a very, it's not very pleasant, but whatever. Ugh, I enjoy hugging you. It's super fun. Thanks. I also enjoy lifting you up, although you enjoy it less. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm fine when you do it. When other people do it, I'm like, I'm, I will cut your arms off. Actually, <laughs> so because people used I'm to do so- it to me at school, right? Because like, oh, that's true. I don't know. You see something really small, and I guess you cannot <laughs> resist the temptation to harass that small thing. 
they would just come up and pick me up. And that's why I just have this aversion. I'm like, don't pick me up. Just like coming up from behind me like some creep. Yeah, seriously, don't do anything coming up from behind someone. Literally don't come up don't. from behind people. Don't. Like these Jeez. people are lucky that I am so small and can't like just flip them over my shoulder and kill them. <laughs> oh my God. Because given given the opportunity and if I had the strength, I would do it. Girl, come to jujitsu with me. It'll be it'll be great. You'll love it. Yeah, I'll be like, I'm here because I've been picked up from behind too many times in my life. That's exactly right. All right. So sex can be a stress buster. Mm -hmm. uh, sex could help you beat the stresses of 21st century living or any other century living because sex is not unique to our generation, mm -hmm. NHS. According to a small study of 46 men and women. Now, I, I do want to mention that a study of 46 is a very, very so small, small study. That's so small. Right. So take this with a grain of salt because this this is true of 46 men and women. If it were true of 1,000 or 1,500 or you know 5,000, then I would trust it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But participants kept a diary of sexual activity, recording penetrative sex, non-penetrative sex, and masturbation. In stress tests, including public speaking and doing mental arithmetic out, arithmetic out loud, the people who had no sex at all had the highest stress levels. People who only had penetrative sex had the smallest rise in blood pressure. This shows that they coped better with stress. Plenty of people find that intimacy or orgasm without penetration helps them feel relaxed, as do exercise or meditation. It doesn't have to be penetrative sex. It's whatever works for you. And then there's like another link to try 10 stress busters, which I mean, we're going to link this article um, in our show notes. So if you're interested in reading this in more detail, uh, it'll be there. Weekly sex might help fend off illness. Now, this one is fascinating to me mm -hmm. because each article that I've looked at loosely agrees on how frequently sex should occur to increase the immune system's function. Mm -hmm. But they, they don't seem to agree exactly how many times or even with any conclusivity, conclusion. They don't even seem to be able to conclude that this is 100% true. It looks like a hypothesis. Yeah, I, and I can tell you why. It's because everybody just like right off the bat, you as an individual, your immune system is different than mine. There is no way to like control the study. You mm -hmm. like, how do we find people who have like, we're all exactly the same when it comes to immunity? It's like borderline impossible. Mm -hmm. So um, while I have also heard that hypothesis, it, it doesn't have legs, you know, but, but you, you could argue that like, when you're a kid, you should be allowed to like get really dirty and like have a dog oh, lick sure. you and stuff so that your for immune sure. system can get built up and we could kind of pull this hypothesis into adulthood but um once you have once your immune system has stopped like developing in that like child stage mm -hmm. I, I don't know I, I don't know i just feel like it'd be really difficult to control that study because like we i feel like we all probably eventually plateau or get to a certain point where I'm like, this is my immune system. I know people who are like, I have a shitty one. <laughs> and if you have an yeah, autoimmune disease. Me. Oh, well, no, if, not that bad. Well, no, but like, you know, you can still just have a poor immune system, just like I have like poor circulation and my feet are always cold, right? Like it's oh, not, no. it's not like 
life it doesn't ruin your life but um so when mike and i first started getting together i was sick which by the way i do not recommend starting (laughs) she doesn't recommend coughing on people but she will do it so i was sick when we first got together and uh then mike got sick obviously because obviously yeah uh then he was sick for a bit and then he got me sick. And I think for the first two months of our relationship, we were just like a little sick all the time. So I see that nothing. So, you you know, that result deserves to go into the pool then. Yes, they should probably put us into this pool. It, it doesn't work. Um, and, and I don't know if this is scientifically accurate at all, but I hypothesize that because we had like germs that were strange to one another, it actually increased the potency of the mild head cold. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how it felt. Oh, my God. But yeah. let me read to you what this says. Apparently, there's a link between how often you have sex and how strong your immune system is, researchers say. A study in Pennsylvania. Now, please keep in mind that this is being quoted by the National Health Services in the UK, mm-hmm. and they're quoting a Pennsylvania study, mm-hmm. which leads me to think that perhaps this Pennsylvania study is the only one that has tested say. this hype. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's probably unique. Exactly. So a study in Pennsylvania found students who had sex once or twice a week had higher levels of an important illness-fighting substance in their bodies. Immunoglobulin A, IgA, was 30% higher in those who had sex once or twice a week than in those who had no sex at all. The lowest levels were in people who had sex more than once a week. The lowest levels were in people who had sex. Mm. Sorry, more than twice a week. But this hypothesis doesn't check out then. This doesn't, this is not like a proportional relationship between. No, because it's so specific. (laughs) Okay. So honestly, so here's my um, scientific input. Just ignore this shit. I don't think that this hypothesis has any legs. It sounds like there's way, there's way too much variability in the pool anyway for this to be a controlled experiment. So. Mm As long as you're not getting seriously ill, do whatever you want. Take your Theraflu. Right. Don't be like new, right. like coughing on people. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, so, no, it probably doesn't fend off illness. I'm not sure what fends off illness. I'm sure that a healthy diet, a physically fit system, and avoidance of, uh, you know, things that cause illness is the best way to ignore illness. I don't think that if you were turned off by sex that you should now start having sex twice a week for the purpose of, you know, not getting a head cold. That won't work, right? hmm So people who have sex feel healthier. Now, <laughs> I'll, I'll just read you what it says here. I can't phrase it better. Okay. It could be that people who feel healthier have more sex, but there seems to be a... (laughs) It could be. We just don't know, though. Right. Here's the thing. Of course, if you feel healthier, you are more likely to be down to have sex. Yeah, this is not really... They're really grasping at straws uh, trying to sell this to us. I feel like they don't have to grasp at so many straws to sell it. Uh, Here's... That's the thing. You really don't. It's they say that 
Oh, my God, this is hilarious. So in the third paragraph of this section, which, again, is entitled People Who Have Sex Feel Healthier, the third paragraph says, it's not just sex, it's love, too. People who are in a close relationship or married were more likely to say that they felt in very good or excellent health than just good or poor. It seems that emotional and social support can boost our sense of well-being. Now, Okay, but, like, emotional and social support can come from anywhere. Like, you can't just, like, that's such a broad statement knowing that people are in miserable relationships and in bad marriages. That's, like, way too broad a statement. And, like, you can Mm -hmm. get that support from so many places. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. have you ever had someone tell you, um, like, oh, nobody, like, I'm unlovable because they've been single for however many years or whatever, um, and sure. when, when people I, I tell me that, this. when people tell me that I have sometimes asked them, like, what about your parents and friends? And they're like, oh, that doesn't count. And I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> Not everybody has the privilege of having like platonic or family based love in their lives. Which is very sad, honestly. Which is very sad, but like, it's a fact, right? Like, what a thing to take for granted that there are people out there in the world who love you. And think you're awesome. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be a partner. And here's the problem with this kind of uh, generalization. Mm -hmm. I feel like it might lead people to believe that, uh, that their health will improve with a partner. Mm -hmm. And, And here's the thing. I've, I've been suffering with depression since I was like nine years old. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's chronic. It's devastating. It has taken many years from me um, that could have been good years that were not. Uh, it has taken many friendships from me that could have been long-term friendships that I could not maintain. And I met Mike when I was 17 years old, and I am now 26 years old, and I still suffer from chronic depression. Mm -hmm. Honestly, right now I'm doing incredibly well. I'm very happy. And I wake up every single day terrified that I am going to be depressed again, Mm -hmm. which is a conversation for another episode. Yeah. But I'm in a very happy marriage. I love my husband more than anyone in the world. He is my human. He is my person. I love him to death. He doesn't make the depression go away. Mm. He doesn't make my shitty immune system go away. He he doesn't fix those things. He couldn't prevent me breaking my leg. He hasn't solved any of my, you know, concerns, problems, or issues. He's just, he's another support who I have. Sometimes I turn to him. Sometimes I turn to you, Shushu. Sometimes I still go to my parents. It's I feel like this kind of sentiment that is being expressed by the NHS leads people to expect more of their partners Mm. than a human being can reasonably give. Yeah, as you were speaking, I was like, that's an incredible amount of pressure to put on a human being. Right? It's just too much pressure. And, you know, it really just like is such a basic and old school definition of love, right? Love can come from anywhere. And it's good Mm -hmm. for you wherever it comes from. Like, mm-hmm. damn, love yourself. What the hell? But uh, as Nuna's saying, like, people can't heal people. Um, yep. Yeah, like, medicine can, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so 
th- this this article is almost done. We've I feel like we've torn it to shreds. Yeah. I'm sure the NHS is very very well intentioned in posting this, but all we're saying is like look at this stuff critically. Don't feel like just because an article has said here are ten reasons to have sex that you need to be like running out to do it immediately to like you know fulfill the article's promises. Mm-hmm. That's all we're saying. I'm not saying that there isn't a massive number to of benefits to having sex. And I will get into those once I'm done ripping this article apart. Mm -hmm. So the next point is loving support reduces risk of angina and ulcer in men. Well, I just don't care about this point. So So, I've been taught, I feel like this is Nora's illness corner episode, but I have stomach issues. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I do. I have like just I've just treated my stomach so, so poorly because I thought I had a stomach of steel and I don't. And now I barely have any lining there and I take medication that is actually really helpful. Like Mike has never made my stomach hurt less. If anything, in some cases, he's made my stomach hurt more. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Right. But apparently men who feel loved and supported by their spouse had a reduced risk of angina. I'm sure that men who also felt loved and supported by other support systems had a reduced risk of angina as well. Like, it's fine. But again, dude, like, what are these people's medical histories? What are their family histories? It's really hard for me to just accept these studies because, like... Oh, the pool. It's so variable, you know? So here's the thing with this study. This comes from uh, Medley J.H. Strange KC. That's spelled with a, yeah, Strange KC. Uh, Kazansky S.J. and Goldbert U. And the study is called The Importance of Biophys... Nope. The importance of biopsychosocial factors in the development of duodenal ulcer in a cohort of middle-aged men. American Journal of (laughs) Epidemiology. Oh, my God. Epidemiology. (laughs) American Journal of Epidemiology, 1992. Do with that what you will. Yeah, I mean, like, there were probably, like, inclusion and exclusion criteria for gathering this cohort of men, but I would like to know what the sample size was. So it's uh, the 1992 edition of the American Journal of Epidemiology. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) The American Journal of Epidemiology. I'm sure that this is online somewhere if, like, if you wanted to dig in. There's two more points on this page. Okay. Um, if you're single and if you're celibate. Now, these are very good points. Mm. Uh, If you're single, spending an evening with friends is good for your health too. One 10-year study of 1,500 people over 70 years old found those with stronger friendship networks lived longer than those with fewer friends. Researchers thought this could be because friends may have a positive influence on lifestyle choices such as smoking or exercise and Mm. offer emotional support. Um, If you're celibate, a life without sex is no bar to excellent health. Duh. A long-term study into the health and aging of a group of nearly 700 older nuns found many kept active and lived well into their 90s and past 100. Now, say what we will about, um, you know, 
uh, religious structures at large, mm-hmm. nuns form very, very, very close relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that's an excellent group to study because mm-hmm. 700 older nuns living well into their 90s and past 100 sounds a lot higher to me than the general population, no? Absolutely. Great. So don't have sex. Be a nun. <laughs> well, Nuna, I guess it's time for us to go join the convent and cancel this podcast. Oh, it's all right. I'd rather die sooner. It's fine. Yeah, you would, actually. A part I of, me was, a part yeah. of me was like, hmm, so this is the faster way to that good dirt nap. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm um I, I don't want to sound morbid, but I don't. I don't want to live that long. I don't want to be 90. I'm not. This is not a goal of mine. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, I guess. But like, if you didn't live that long, I would be very upset, assuming that I do live long. Okay. Do we want to talk about what's bad? Yeah, let's let's go into a what's bad. I feel like this wasn't a great example of what's good. So I would like to take another crack at it using a different website because there are a few more points worth looking at. Mm -hmm. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, so yeah, I mean, the thing is with what's good, it's like a lot of them are very big generalizations. And I think Mm -hmm. a a lot of times like with with scientific questions like this, it's really hard to get the answer. So people just continue to hypothesize until we all die unless you're a nun and you can continue to hypothesize because you're not going to die. Anyway, so... (laughs) I have an article from the New Yorker open um, because I did try to look into this. I was like, well, if there if there are pros, there have to be cons because as with anything in life, there is a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Always. And I got an article from the New Yorker and it's a cultural comment column and it's called The Rage of the Incels. And I was like, here we oh. go. I'm not going to come at this from a scientific perspective. I'm going to come at this from a social perspective, which some may argue is a kind of science. It is. This is an article published in May of 2018, and the author is Gia Talentio. So I want to read a quote from this, and this kind of like explains what the problem is, right? And it's not so much with the act of sex itself, it's more with the culture that we live in, but those two things very often go hand in hand especially as we've grown. Um, They do. And before we jump into this, could you please tell our audience what an incel is and what incel stands for? Okay. Actually, I want to do that after I read the quote because the quote has nothing to do with incels. Um, Oh, amazing. Yeah. We're not going to give them all the airtime. They deserve none of the airtime. Anyway, (laughs) so here's a quote from The New Yorker. These days in this country, sex has become a hyper-efficient and deregulated marketplace And like any hyper-efficient and deregulated marketplace, it often makes people feel very bad. Sexual value continues to accrue to abled over disabled, cis over trans, thin over fat, tall over short, white over non-white, rich over poor, 
There is an absurd mismatch in the way that straight men and women are taught to respond to these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Women are socialized from childhood to blame themselves if they feel undesirable, Mm -hmm. to believe that they will be unacceptable unless they spend time and money and mental effort being pretty Mm -hmm. and amenable and appealing to men. Mm -hmm. Conventional femininity teaches women to be good partners to men as a basic moral requirement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A woman should provide her man a support system and be an ideal accessory for him and it is her job to convince him and the world that she is good (laughs) men like women blame women if they feel undesirable and as women gain the economic and cultural power that allows them to be choosy about their partners men have generated ideas about self-improvement that are sometimes (sighs) inextricable from violent rage and now we can talk about insults why do i want to throw things at a wall Because you know it's true. I want to throw things at a wall. Please go on. So an incel stands for, it's it's like a shortened word. It means involuntary celibate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a group of, frankly, very often alt-right men who feel that they are owed sex by pretty women. And they have all of these, like, they have this, like, vocabulary that they use. You know, like, they'll call... Uh, men who are having sex, like chads or something. I don't know. They it have is this, chads. Like, it's chads. And then like the women that they are having sex with are Stacy's. Like, they are Stacy's. So, mm-hmm. I'm so, not agreeing. Um, I'm just confirming. Sorry. That sounded no, no, like, no, like No, no. She's confirming the vocabulary. <laughs> yes. Um, here's the thing. It's really hard for us to argue that our society is not hyper-focused on sex because it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like we know that sex sells. It like... Uh, it's what this is our second sex episode. <laughs> exactly, but also like uh, critically acclaimed television shows are the most explicit ones, right? Like we can see, like we can see the impact of sex. Um, so, and it's it's a bad thing because it kind of, like the article saying, makes women blame themselves more, and it, it also bred this like group of incels and because these incels feel like they are owed sex because in their minds everybody is having it and it's genetics um i.e like the way they look that is preventing them from having it mm-hmm. and they think that it's a difference of like a few millimeters of bone on your forehead right <sighs> i okay um in toronto a couple of years ago a deranged piece of shit drove a rented van through a very popular and uh, populated square, killing a number of people, one of whom was the former student of a teacher who I worked with. Mm. She had just graduated from adult school. She had just gotten a job as a cafeteria worker at a Mm. different school. She was an immigrant woman with a young son, and she was mown down by this piece of fucking garbage who got angry because nobody would fuck him because he was short. So Mm -hmm. that's how I feel about that and those people. Honestly, give me a knife in a fucking quiet room with this guy, and I will happily slit his throat. Yeah, I mean, like, what you will, like, fuck incels, right? Like, we're not here to pity them in this episode. If anything, I'm like, you can all just like, you know. Oh, I'm I'm not playing devil's advocate today. These people need to burn (laughs) in a fucking fiery death. 
I'm so glad that I finally found the one topic that you won't play devil's advocate on because Nude is always like, never. Nude is always like, let me advocate for the underdog. And here she's like, there is no underdog. We must kill. <laughs> um, and you I could do that with, that with Nazis too. I'll, I'll kill Nazis too. Like, oh, absolutely. There's a line. Yeah. There's a line. There's um, a line. Yes. So, and that's the thing, like the, it's not so much the act of sex that we're now talking about and criticizing. It is the mm-hmm. culture surrounding it mm-hmm. and the way it makes women feel. And as the article pointed out, the way it makes a lot of people feel because it it listed like able-bodied people over disabled people mm-hmm. and says over trans and, mm-hmm. you know, thin over fat and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it creates this culture that ultimately leads to all of us feeling bad about ourselves, whether or not we are having sex, mm-hmm. those anxieties still exist mm-hmm. because, you know, your relationship goes south or something happens and and everything around you is like, <laughs> yeah, but only if you were like prettier. Oh, or if you just lost a couple pounds. Exactly. So there there is something about our culture that I wish we could change because, and we can actually lead into sex positivity here. The sex positivity movement um, is a really great one because I think mm-hmm. that people should feel empowered. And I think we should be talking about sex and encouraging safe sex. And mm-hmm. we should be talking about contraception and, and you know, consent. Mm-hmm. But it has kind of very much in the way feminism and self-care and other movements have, it has become commercialized um, and kind of impacted by capitalism. And it's like, how do we sell things to people? Well, you know, sex positivity, like you should be having as much sex as possible. Like go out there and like do whatever you want and buy our products so that you're more successful at it. Like, What kind of products do you mean? You know, but I mean- Anything like think about all the things that are marketed to women to make us seem more sexually desirable. Ah, yes, mm-hmm. Juvederm. Yeah, Juvederm. You know, like I, there's a plastic surgery billboard outside of my apartment now, which I don't like. Um, you know and- what's funny that I'm mm-hmm. realizing as we have this conversation? What we may actually be exposed to different things out in the world, you and I, because you live where you live and I live where I live. So I think that you might be getting the shit end of the advertising stick here. I mean, absolutely nude, but like it's uh, the fact that that the fact that this issue exists. Oh, is no, 100 percent. Part of the you. problem. We oh, should all. Yeah, because that means that some of us may feel more pressure than others. And I'm not saying that I feel pressure because the mm-hmm. only thing that plastic surgery billboard made me feel was like deep-seated anger because I was like can women live can we just like (laughs) can we like sometimes I just want to look ugly in peace can I not have that luxury Um, as a side note I am excited for our plastic surgery episode uh that's a side note though there's a billboard and it's angering it's angering but there is something wrong with our culture because it's not angering to everybody and Mm -hmm. the the things that we are selling to women and that's the thing. It's designed to make you feel bad about yourself, this culture, right? Um, yes. If, you, if you're not ticking all of these boxes, and it's like the people who tick all of those boxes don't exist naturally, like just like in the world, they don't they exist. Don't. 
Um, but they, there's this like, there's so many boxes to tick. And when you don't tick it, or you're not sexually active for whatever reason, you will inevitably feel bad about yourself. Because the question starts to, the question that pops into your head inevitably is, well, what's wrong with me? Because it's happening to everybody else. It's not, though. It's not. Not everyone's having the no. same experiences. The experiences that we are being exposed to in the media constantly is a very specific set of glamorized experiences mm-hmm. that have been shown to uh, render the largest amount of profit. You're not actually seeing everybody's everyday experiences and every show you watch and every billboard you see. And it sucks that we have to, you know, say this. Yes. Um, it should be obvious. But it's not. Obvious. No, but here's the thing. Obviously, content creators are going to create content that's going to, you know, bring in the biggest number of views. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's that seems reasonable to me. What's unreasonable to me is the vast audience who is not perceiving this critically. Which is like a very young audience. And when you learn things when you're young... It's really hard to shake out of it when you're older. That's when you end up going to like therapy if you so choose, right? Because of course, but those deep-seated anxieties that media have has given you, it's really hard to just wake up one morning and kick it, don't you think? I'm not saying that you should wake up one morning and kick it. I'm actually mm-hmm. saying when you start being exposed to media, mm-hmm. the people who are showing it to you, because you as a baby mm-hmm. do not grab an iPad and say, I'm going to watch this. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that we need to be teaching young people to mm-hmm. read things critically. Yeah. Here's the thing. Am I going to go up against a fucking corporation? No, I'm not. Here's why not. Because I am a pesky little ant with an obnoxious, giant voice who can do absolutely nothing. Here's what I do have the power to do. Mm -hmm. I have the power to educate the population at large Mm -hmm. to make informed decisions in the kind of content that they choose to give their time and attention to. That's it. That's the power we have. No, you're absolutely right. Thank you. But yeah, you're 100% I'm right. I'm not saying don't rail. Yeah. We should rail. But, you know, it's kind of like whose responsibility is it? Like we can break the cycle is what you're saying. Yes. We have the power Thank you. Yes. to break the cycle. We are not actively doing it, but it is really something to focus on because mm-hmm. once the cycle starts, like I was saying, kicking it is borderline impossible. You want to get in at the start. You want to break the cycle. That is the best way to tackle this issue of like undesirability. There is no such thing as being undesirable. We have been sold that by capitalism so that we can go out and buy things. (sighs) Yeah. And that is the problem. I actually want to go back to, it is the problem. I agree. Um, I want to do a quick summary of where we're at so far. Yes. We're talking about what sucks about sex here, right? Yeah. So, so far, what sucks about sex is the society of it, the the cultural impact of what sex has come to mean. And the mm-hmm. issues that we're having with it right now are insecurity in both mm-hmm. men and in women. Now, mm-hmm. those insecurities in women, they suck and they make life really uncomfortable. And I can't speak for everyone, but 
it's not always devastating, right? Sometimes it's devastating. I'm not going to take that away. Eating disorders are fucking devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Plastic surgery addictions are fucking devastating. Uh, Sex addiction, because you are constantly seeking validation, devastating. I'm not Mm -hmm. taking away Mm -hmm. from that. But I do want to stress that the even larger issue than women feeling insecure is men feeling entitled. I just I really want to stress that this is the more dangerous concern that we're having. So, of course, I mean, that's the one that leads to violence. So, yes, thank you. Because, yes, with women feeling insecure, it sucks and it's painful, but you work through it. You go to therapy. It's a very individual Mm -hmm. problem when men feel insecure they're taught that it's not a them problem. It's not because they're butt-fucking ugly, although sometimes they're butt-fucking ugly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, sometimes people are butt-fucking ugly. It's fine. It happens. <gasps> okay, yeah. You know what you do with a butt-ugly face? You develop a good fucking personality. <laughs> um. Yeah, some of us went through puberty and had to develop senses of humor, so... Me! I was such an <laughs> ugly young person. <laughs> No, you weren't. I was talking about me. I meant me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so your Yeah. Yeah. Your point. Uh like they're allowed to blame women for the fact that they're not having sex, right? I just I want to talk through this. I want to talk through this logic. Billy Bob Joe. I'm not sorry that that's the name I choose. Billy Bob Joe grows up, and he's not the cutest boy in the schoolyard. He's just not. He sees Chad and Michael and James, you know, starting to, I don't know, kiss on girls behind the, you know, shed. And Billy Bob Joe is like, why not me? And instead of deciding that Chad, Michael, and Jake are funny, charming, witty, entertaining men who women like to spend time with, Billy Bob Joe decides that the women are horrible, horrible, superficial, disgusting people. Billy Bob Joe grows up really angry about all the women who are really shitty, superficial people because he is so much smarter and better. And why can't anyone see the value of this amazing man? And he feels entitled to women's time and attention. And maybe because he's already angry, he's not the most pleasant person to talk to, even if there is a well of kindness under there. It's just difficult to talk to people who address you in an angry fashion. It's hard. And I know this because I often address people in an angry fashion and they tell me they don't like it. So I've learned. So Billy Bob gets angrier and angrier because each and every single one of these interactions is going worse than the last. And eventually Billy Bob decides that if it's not going to be given to him, he's going to take it. And that's when we slit Billy Bob's throat. Mm. Yeah, I honestly feel like this whole story, like, I was very entranced by it. I was like, I feel like this is taking place in, like, the world of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I think I think it was the Billy name. Bob Joe. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is definitely taking place in To Kill a Mockingbird. It's like the lost chapter. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, you're 100% right. And that's the thing. They're not a lot. It's so much easier for men to blame women for their faults. Um Just like it's so much easier, and I will just say for people in general, so much easier to like blame things on outside forces because looking into yourself is painful and uncomfortable and, and, you know, you need to be vulnerable and vulnerability sucks. 
So, but the thing is that, you know, I see so many people looking into themselves and, and going on that difficult journey. It can be yeah. done. It can be done. And it's you, amazing. It's amazing. And it can be done. So they're not allowed to blame women anymore. It's 2020. So uh, happy new year, everyone. We're not blaming. Happy new year. Oh my God. Happy new year. We're not blaming outside forces for, for any of the shit anymore. Mm-mm. No more. No more. That, that, that's that. But, and, but the thing is, we need to look at everything critically. We can't just go around. And that's my thing with like movements, right? Like I am a feminist. Uh, I'm sex positive. I'm pro-sex worker. But at every movement has has its holes. And I think we need, Absolutely. If we don't criticize them, we can never repair that, right? I completely, completely agree. Okay. Well, so I guess like we've really taken people around the block on this subject. So I want to talk about Yeah, I'm really, really sorry. I, I needed to like rage rant a little bit there. No, I, it's I feel good. like I'm owed it. It's good. <laughs> um as a as a woman, as someone who identifies as a woman in this world, you hundred mm-hmm. percent are mm-hmm. owed some rage. Can we Thank you. Can we talk about what can we talk about readiness? Um, before we talk about readiness, there are a couple of uh, things that are great about sex that I want to quickly okay. read out. Okay. Um, this is from The Greatest. I'm only going to read the titles of like each section because the explanation is so small. Each point actually cites a scientific study, so I feel like this is a pretty trustworthy resource. Uh, if anyone disagrees with me, obviously, please feel free to let me know. Now, for all genders... Here are some benefits. Sex could increase longevity. It increases job satisfaction. It preserves marriages. It can help ward off cold and flu. I think this is the same study. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's not. This is a 2004 study. It improves self-esteem. It could, but you shouldn't rely on it to do so. It reduces stress. It absolutely can. It can be a workout. It absolutely can. Uh, It relieves headaches. It absolutely can. Um, It improves sleep. It 100% does, um, in my experience, of course. Uh, For women, it improves memory. It may reduce symptoms of depression. It Again, may, may, Mm -hmm. may. Uh, It regulates periods. It it can. Um, It lowers the risk of preeclampsia, which is a uh, pregnancy... Um, complication that could occur. Um, It could be very devastating, uh, of course, as with many complications. But basically, it's saying that if you're regularly having sex while pregnant, that it could lower the risk of this complication, and it lowers blood pressure. This is all in women. In men, it makes fertilization easier. Uh, It decreases risk of cardiovascular. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It decreases risk of cardiovascular disease. And the bottom line conclusion, it turns out shagging a few times per week is just what the doctor ordered. There are numerous health benefits for folk of all ages, genders, and orientation. So whether you're trying to halt a headache in its tracks or get solid sleep tonight, the perks of bedroom fun are many. Think of sex as a prescription for good health. Your mind and body will thank you for it. If you are sexually active, if you enjoy sexual activity, if you have a trusted partner and that makes you feel 
if you only want to have sex with a trusted partner and have a trusted partner to have sex with, go for it. Have fun. It can be amazing. It also can suck. It can suck due to unwanted pregnancy. It can suck due to VD. It can suck. Um, it can suck with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah, can suck true. if it can suck if you're not on the same page. It can suck if you don't have the same interests. It can suck if you don't have a comfortable way of talking about the experience as you're having it. So if you're with someone who you don't feel comfortable telling, hey, I don't like that. Could you stop doing that specific thing? Like if you can't say that and you just kind of cringe your way through whatever the thing is that you don't like, it's sex is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes things happen. I know I mentioned this in the last episode, but it's so crucially important because in porn, the entire event goes perfectly from start to finish. Nobody gets tired. Nobody goes flaccid. Nobody gets dry. Nobody gets tired. Nobody's leg cramps. Mm -hmm. All of those things happen. In fact, sometimes you fart. Yeah, you fart sometimes. <sighs> it's fine. You can yep. laugh it off. It's it's okay. You're using human bodies to do a very human body thing. And it's not always this incredible, mind-blowing explosion. Sometimes it's 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 two bodies rubbing together awkwardly in the dark. Well, there you have it. <laughs> you want to talk about readiness? Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> so now we can go into our culture. And our religion, because we've been avoiding it pretty heavily. We have. We have. Um, and we did say, disclaimer, this that we were not going to talk about as Arab Muslim women, but it's time to shift gears because after all, <laughs> we are Arab Muslim women, right? Oops. <laughs> no, yeah. what do you think what do you think ready is in, in the Arab world? In the world we grew up in, what do you think ready is? Married. Do you think that being married means that you're necessarily ready? In my personal opinion or in the opinion of the Middle Eastern world at large? Your opinion. Fuck no. Okay, thank you. Let's talk about readiness. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think people have to think about? What do you think what do you think ready is? Because it's such a it's it's going to be a different definition for everybody. But if you could kind of hit on points that you think are really important for someone to have sorted out or questions to have asked themselves, what questions do you think they should be asking themselves? Are you worried that you might regret it? Mm, I have one. Why am I doing this? Mm, that's mm -hmm. a good one. Uh, I've got another one. Do I want to do this for myself or do I feel pressured into it? Mm -hmm, exactly. Is this the person I want to do it with? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's an important one. Um, am I willing to do what I need to do to control my involvement in the activity I'm about to partake in. For example, am I comfortable saying that I want something to stop or change? Yes. So am I able to communicate? Yep. And also, am I educated enough about safety? That's a big one. Um, do I have what I need to make this work. Uh, so for some people, condoms, for some people, birth control pills, for some people, whatever, whatever accoutrement you need to be safe, be sure that you have that. Oh, sorry, I am going to piggyback off of this one. If you can't buy condoms because it's embarrassing, you shouldn't have sex. 
Okay, here's the thing. Like, am I emotionally mature for this is a really big one, but nobody's going to ask themselves that. Like, if you giggle when your teacher says penis, you shouldn't be having sex. A hundred percent. Like, the the problem with just, like, making marriage the, oh, they're ready now, is that you could reach that point, you could get married, and you may not have the answer to any of those questions still. Being married doesn't make you a more intelligent, worldly adult. It just makes you married. Exactly. But I think sometimes in the Middle East, we forget that. Yeah, definitely. I've been treated like a much more mature, worldly adult since I got married. Except to me, you seem more or less the same. I've gotten stupider, if anything. (laughs) We have one brain cell. Uh, Um, no, but like I, like married nude and unmarried nude treat me the same, think the Mm -hmm. same, Mm -hmm. are the same. They love you the same. They love me the same. Yay. Um, (laughs) but, but that's the thing. So what is it? It's a religious thing, right? When you are married, it is now allowed, but allowed does not equal ready. It's just, it's, I have so many things to say about this. Please say them. I need to organize my brain cell. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. The assumption in the Middle East is that you will have sex for the first time. This is for cis women. I'm I'm talking about for cis women (laughs) here. The expectation for cis women in the Middle East is that you will be granted a nice man. Uh, Here are the ways that you can find this nice man in college, at work, through Facebook, because you know how many cousins everyone has on their Facebook and then friends of friends. You get it. Um, On Facebook. Actually, I have a cousin who is married to someone he poked on Facebook. It's a very cute story. That's actually kind of cute. It's so cute. Um, If this is the first time, we're going to cut all of this until I know how to make a sentence, right? Yes, sure. Okay. Maybe. It depends on how generous I'm feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. Just because you married someone, it doesn't mean that you suddenly know how to have sex, which is exactly what Shireen said. But also having to wait for that moment to have sex for me. If someone said to me, Nude, there is absolutely no way for you to have sex before you get married. We are going to put a chastity belt on you and your husband is the only person with a key. I'm going to be honest with you. There was a point there for me and my libido where I wouldn't have given a flying fuck who was holding that key and I would have been okay with anyone because I needed to Mm. get laid. Mm. You think that it could encourage someone to settle? I do think so. Mm-hmm. I think it could encourage someone to settle. I also think that it, it a good partner, someone who is a good partner, may not be a good sexual partner. And there's no opportunity. And I know that not everybody wants the opportunity to experiment and figure that out. I understand and I respect that. And I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything they're uncomfortable with. But for me, if I had to spend the rest of my entire life stuck with somebody who couldn't satisfy me in bed, I would be so unhappy. Mm -hmm. I liked that I had the opportunity to figure out what I wanted in bed before committing to a human being to share my life with, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's just like in the Middle East, like the, all the things that marriage offers, it just no, it's no wonder that sometimes you look at like a woman and you're like, girl, you definitely settled because I'm talking to your husband right now and I want to kill myself, right? Yeah. Um, so, but the, it's like the allure of adulthood, the allure of freedom, just like, and then they add sex to the pile because that's yes. also something that has been framed as this alluring forbidden fruit that you will get once you, you know, get married, get married, just like jump over that hurdle. But the thing is, and this goes back to what we were saying very early on, putting the promise of freedom and adulthood and uh, sexual freedom and whatever on one person, they will disappoint you. Unfair. They will disappoint you and it's not even their fault. They will disappoint you because they're human beings just like you, but we do it anyway. Exactly. And here's the thing. I feel like women are taught that they're not permitted to be disappointed. Like, especially now where it's like, oh, you had so much choice. You could have met anyone you wanted. You agreed to marry this guy. I feel like that's common because I think that we talked about this a little bit in episode five with our guest Sada, right? Oh, yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Where there is a number of ways that it's acceptable to meet a partner, um, but there is a limit to what it is acceptable to do with that partner. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe making out a little bit is acceptable. Maybe a little bit of heavy petting is acceptable. All of the elders will look away. But like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to put a dick in your mouth. So there's no <laughs> way. To, <laughs> so there's no way to like assess the dick before you agree to purchase. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It is like a, it's a little, it's a dangerous world that we, that some women live in, you know, because there are so many questions that won't get answered until after a contract is drawn up. Exactly. And then getting out of it could be impossible for some women. And for the most part, it's very difficult. Um, under Sharia law, um, mm-hmm. which by the way, people say Sharia law, like this is, it's this thing that's coming to take over the North American world. It's not. It's, it just means Islamic law. Um, and some countries practice uh, Islamic law more than others. So what I'm talking about is marriage. Uh, you get engaged and then you do Iraat al-Fatha, which means that you read yeah. the Fatha, which is a passage in the Quran. Um, and then you exchange wedding bands. And for some couples in some regions, you are now married. But for most couples that I have interacted with, you still don't have sex after this legal Muslim marriage because you have to have the big ass party often in the Western white dress. So there has been a lot of adoption um, of Western views and ideals in Arab weddings, but louder and more colors and more lights and more flowers and the dress is bigger and poofier. Just a lot happening. (laughs) So you get married and then you have the big wedding night and the big wedding night is the party. Now, these parties often go to like 3 or 4 a.m. And I think the expectation for a lot of women is that they will have sex that night, which are you fucking kidding me? What an exhausting night to have sex. Yeah, no way. Mike and I did have sex on our wedding night. But let me tell you, we were both like half dead and just being like, we need to consummate this shit. Let's just do this. (laughs) 
<laughs> tragic. Was, tra- was, a tragic tale. It was quite beautiful, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Beautiful in a dead way. No, 100%. Like, if that's your first time ever on that night, like, you need to get out of that big ass gown. Like, help me understand. <laughs> you know, listeners, to those of you who, um, you know, you're like more, you're practicing more Islam than we are. There's no shame in waiting, but we want you to have those questions answered. It's not about the waiting. It's about, do you know what you want? And do you know that this is the person you want to do it with? Ask yourself that one first, because I am like sometimes alarmed at what I see out in the world because I'm like, girl, you have like three million more brain cells to my one. (laughs) You're genius. You're beautiful. You're amazing. And this is what is happening to you, you know? Yeah. And for a lot of girls, when I see it, I'm like, I get it. You want to finally cross over into adulthood. I, I see you. You know, like I see that struggle. I hate that that's the way it is for us, though. I do as well. But let's let's talk more more promisingly about why you might choose to wait. Like, what are the benefits of choosing to wait for marriage? Um, For a lot of people, they want it to kind of be special. And I can see how, you know, committing to that waiting would make it more special. Okay, fair enough. Okay. I have I have run out of reasons. Okay, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> I was think as I was say, as I was saying this, I was like I'd never write this into a novel, that's for sure. Anyway, um <laughs> like so okay, oh, here here's another one though. I have ooh, another one. Please. Some people maybe don't want to use contraception. And so if you get pregnant within the bounds of marriage, that's cool. Um, is a baby, a human living, breathing baby, is that a fair trade-off for, I just don't want to use contraception. Is that you know reasonable? What? No, but I can just go into a whole host of reasons why I think people should not be having children, but that is not the episode for it. <sighs> it's really Because not. I have a laundry list. Oh, we should saying, do like, that episode. <laughs> we should actually. It would be the baby episode, except both of us are like... I'm like, oh, climate change. And you're like, ew, I hate children. I don't hate children, though. We'll save it for the episode. I have a lot to say. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm really, you still don't want children, right? So like I said before, like I still say, adoption always has been, always will be on the table. I do not want biological Mm -hmm. children. No. Okay, fair. We don't have to talk about that now, and I fully support whatever you choose to do. I know. I love you. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so I, I can think of it being special. I can think of <clears throat> contraception. I can think of maybe not wanting to live with the guilt and shame that is kicked into all of us the minute we exit the womb. Da, da, da. That's oh, the one. There you go. Hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, that one. Just, I love how that one came to me last because I was like, what? Like Because it's so hard to talk about. It really, really, really is. It's very difficult to talk about because I'm not a practicing Muslim. I'm culturally Muslim. I celebrate Eid with my family. If for whatever reason I no longer had my family, I am unlikely to continue celebrating Eid. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do not fast during Ramadan unless it is in solidarity with Muslim students who I may be teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of Ramadans ago, I did fast a few days because I had Muslim students say like, like, miss, would you please fast with us on this day, even though you're not practicing? And I was like, absolutely, like anything for you guys, I will be with you in solidarity on this day. And I was. Um, if my mother or brother ask me to fast in solidarity with them, I will. But besides that, I I will not, right? Yeah. So I'm not practicing, and I do not think that I am going to hell for having had sex before marriage. I, I don't. I I don't. I don't believe I'm going to hell for it. I'm not even entirely convinced about hell. I mean, like, goddamn, nude of all the things for people, like, that's what you're going to send people to hell for? I'm not I'm not, I'm not trying to call God out specifically here, but, like, that's what you're going to send people to hell for? Look at this world. Mm-hmm. There, are genuinely, there are genuinely bad people who wait until marriage. You're telling me that they have a leg up over you? It, that's no. what I'm saying. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I've done... Granted, I'm not the greatest person. I've made mistakes. I probably deserve to be karmically punished for some of the things I've done in my life. And I understand but, Nude, that. It's not, it's not about you making mistakes. It's about the fact that you as a person always want to do better. That is what makes you a good person. Thank you. But what I was going to say is that having sex wasn't a mistake. No, I mean never, like... And it never felt like a mistake. Why should you have to frame it like that? But okay, never that's mind. That's what I'm saying, right? The guilt but and that's shame. what I'm saying, the guilt and shame thing. Like, I don't think I'm going to hell for fucking. I don't think anyone else is going to hell for fucking. And very frankly, if I was going to hell for fucking, that would feel like a pretty rigged system, in which case, yeah, fine, I'm in hell. You know? Yeah, but I want us to be like next door neighbors in heaven. <laughs> Why can't we be next door? Oh, my God. My ex um, once said something that really, really stuck with me. I don't know if he listens to any of this, but he he once said when we were 15 and I was like, I don't know. I'm like kind of worried about going to hell over something redacted. Um, And he was like, well, yeah, dude, we're all going to hell. It's where all the fun people are going to go. It'll be a party. (laughs) I don't think that's what hell is. Also, I was joking. We're definitely going to be neighbors in heaven no matter what we do because we are both good people and we both try to do better every day. We do. The guilt and shame weighs on a woman like nothing else, though, and I saw it weigh on all of us at different points, and I saw it weigh on us more than it weighed on the boys. And that is oh, 100%. That is a problem. The shame what and guilt, guilt. weighed on the boys. Are you kidding me? Nothing. I mean, the guilt and shame was, is ours. That's the problem. <sighs> and the best thing to do would be try to unlearn that. But you have, I, I don't want to say you have to, but going to therapy will put you on track to unlearning that. I just... I want to be more sensitive than I'm being. I want. No, I mean, you should just be genuine, dude. Like, what are you thinking? There's zero reason to wait until marriage to have sex. They're just, it's symbolic at best, is how I feel about it. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was saying. It is symbolic. It's specialness. Specialness is symbolic, yeah, right? Yeah, but symbolism scares me. In poetry, symbolism is very beautiful. In real life, attaching symbolism to very, very human things makes them disappointing. 
Mm. Well, I mean, like, that's inevitable, I think, in these situations we're talking about. So if you do choose to wait until marriage, there's legitimately no judgment whatsoever. That is 100% choice, your choice to make. I don't mean to sound judgmental or awful. It is just something that I have a difficult time understanding and connecting with, despite growing up in a culture that not only encouraged it, but expected it as the only possible way to engage in coitus. Yeah, it's the thing is, it's it wouldn't have worked for you. And we like it didn't you don't have to understand it. Right. But what we need to make sure is that there is a choice. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be a choice for a lot of Arab women. I don't care what they do. I want them to have a choice. I want them to have power over their bodies. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case right now. That's true. Yeah. So we, and by we, I mean nude, (laughs) asked people on Instagram to give us some questions and we got some. So why don't we round out this episode by answering those questions and then we can get out of here. Amazing. The first question I received is, are you guys on Spotify? (laughs) Yes. What's the next? Just uh, search Don't Tell Baba. We are on Spotify. We are. We are on almost every podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play. Um, Yeah. But like all the things. All right. Yes. (laughs) How did you Arab women... Let boys know you liked them. You Okay, first of all, if you were nude, you would just march up to them and be like, I like you. That's exactly right. (laughs) But for your average Arab woman, I don't think she did anything about it. Do you know? No, you're not supposed to. Oh, right. That's super haram and aib of you, though. Can I? Okay. Can I actually tell you about a diary entry that I wrote when I was 13 years old? Sure. Okay, so in this diary entry, I wrote that I had asked my mother permission to tell my crush I liked him. (laughs) What did your mom say? She said, absolutely not. You don't do that. And like, I feel like, so I actually labeled my diaries back then. And so all of them have like a little post-it note, like tacked onto the front that says like what date to what date the diary um, focused Mm -hmm. on and also Mm -hmm. like the main theme of it. And this diary was called The Turning Point of My Life. Life spelt L-Y-F, of course. (laughs) And I guess that this is what I considered at the time to be the turning point in my life because it was the first time that I kind of like, I went to my mom, I told her what I needed, and usually she'd just be like, okay, cool, and here's how you get it. But when I said, I really want to tell this guy I like him, my mom was like, absolutely fucking not. We don't tell boys we like them. Like, what? who are you? What do you think you are? And that was the first time that I was like, I do not respect your decision, and I'm going to tell him anyway. (laughs) Dude, I have a question. I have a question. Mm -mm. If we are not encouraged to kind of build the, I don't know, social skills and confidence required to tell people we like them, how are we supposed to end up married exactly? Well, you have to wait for a man to say he likes you, Shireen. I'm sorry, all women I know are too busy to pencil that waiting period in. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think that it's a very good method of of teaching people how to interact with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those playground days, uh, grade 
seven, eight, even grade six for some people. Like I developed mm-hmm. pretty early, you know, mm-hmm. Th- that is how people are learning their sexuality and interests and preferences. And if you stifle that learning period, you're 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 going to be a little bit behind on some learning that there isn't there isn't a way around that. Which is okay, but... Of course. But it does lead to feeling, like, wrong as people grow up, and they a lot of them leave the Middle East. And I think it's the leaving the Middle East that really opens people's eyes to, like, what we were lacking. I agree. So, and in which I recommend therapy, obviously, so that you can learn to just shed all of that guilt and shame that was piled on Culturally you. sensitive therapy. Culturally mm. sensitive therapists. Yes. I will say, um, my therapist is a white woman, but she's very sensitive. And she listens to me when I tell her what is what about my culture. My therapist is also a white woman who also listens to me when I tell her what is what. Mm -hmm. So just like be aware that because a lot of our problems, I would say, are pretty similar and how we grapple with with how we grew up later in life. Um, and And this is not just about like, oh, like, I wasn't allowed to have sex. It's not about that at all. It's more about like everything. It's really not. That's like a tiny drop in a huge pond of issues that you might be wanting to go through with a professional. Um, You're allowed to shop for therapists, which I always tell people, just shop for them. If you don't like your session with one, you are not obligated to stay. Committed. You don't have to be. I will say- Actually, yes. one last thing. Most reputable therapists on your first session- We'll call it a meet and greet or a consultation, and they won't ask you to sign much of anything until either the end of the session or the beginning of the following one. Exactly. And my therapist made me fill out like a questionnaire. She actually talked to me on the phone before we ever met because she was like, she just wanted to get a sense of like what I felt like I needed help with and where it was at in my life. And she like didn't charge me for that. She just called me up for half an hour and she was like, let's talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, So for all of you, like, because we know that this is like, oh, it's an episode about like super head on topic of sex. There's a lot about our culture that can all build on each other. And if you need Mm -hmm. help, you can certainly seek it out. Um, To answer the question, though, we were not allowed to unless you were nude. And also unless you were me, because I think you know this already, but I was so disconnected from all of this like boy craziness. I was like, writing and like having my head in the clouds all the time and I am still kind of like that I'm just like a I'm like creative to the point where it's distracting (laughs) um yeah and so that's okay too you know uh very um no I loved boys I had my first crush at age two he was an actor on the Barney show (laughs) You know, I love you. You love me. Anyways, his name was Michael, and I loved him. He was a blonde boy. Never did get over those blonde boys. She never did. What's the next question? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is the best way to learn about your body? The internet is a really good source, but you need to be careful, like, where you're looking at stuff, like, what the sources are, what websites they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Another great way to learn about your body is to invest in a hand mirror and uh, take a fucking peek. It is really good for you to know what you look like on a good day so that if 
God forbid a bad day ever rolls around, you will also know. That's for your own personal safety. Also, when you perform your self-examinations, whether they're for medical reasons or pleasure reasons, do so non-judgmentally. Yeah, don't. It's so tempting. Nude, have you ever like, like you're like changing and you walk by a mirror and you're like, ugh, like you just have that sigh, that big heavy sigh that goes out of you? So actually, oh my god, I do have uh, body dysmorphic disorder. So when I walk past a mirror and uh, I, you know, see myself, it's less of a ugh and more of a cool. I'm not leaving the house ever again. Oh, I, you know, for me, I don't know what I look like. So sometimes it's ugh, and sometimes it's like that's what I look like, and it turns into a whole spiraling situation. Yeah, yep, uh, it's a spiraling situation. Yeah, because you're sure. like that's me. But I'm just saying, if you can help it, and I know those of us who struggle with body image can't always help it. Mm-hmm. Um, what my therapist really recommends is interrupting that negative self-talk. As soon as I feel myself spiraling, I'm like, we don't talk to ourselves like that anymore. And I do it like you would say to like a three-year-old. We don't do this anymore. For sure. Um, so what has worked for me is, so I like the handheld mirror for like examining areas that mm-hmm. you can't always see. But if we're talking about like just looking at your body, I find for myself personally that it. It works better without a mirror and just like, have you ever done a body scan where you go like toes, feet, heels, ankles, calves, knees? So one of those. And then I like try to thank each body part for like what it has done for me and how it is valuable to me. And I just I try to practice kindness. And because I'm athletic, um, I, I find this quite easy. Like the other day I thanked my neck because I like I was in jujitsu and I tried to like roll backwards over my shoulder and I like, I didn't do it exactly right. And it hurt my neck a little bit, but it was totally fine. And I, you know, thanked my neck for taking that role like a champ and allowing me to try again and try better. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do, because I know I like love the thanking your body thing, but I'm not very athletic. So it's really hard for me to be like, thank you body. Cause like, what am I thanking it for? Like letting me do cell culture? Gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you for letting me have a job, which, yeah, is something I should thank my body for. Of course. Um, but also what I like to do is kind of, um, as with most things, I turn to writing and I'm like, you have to write about yourself in a pleasant, pretty way. Yes. Yes. And teaching myself new language has been helpful. And reading then in turn gives me even more language that I can then apply to myself to kind of redirect the way my brain, the way my brain processes like the image of myself. Um, the mirror can be, and also I just want to say what you see in the mirror is not what people see in real life. They see you in motion. They see you being passionate about things. They see you excited. It's laughing. Not, laughing. It's not what they see. I swear to you. It's not. We are, we like catch little things that nobody else sees. You know, people will be like, oh my God, I have like a zit on my face. And I'll be like, I literally didn't notice it. I have one eye that is like an entirely different shape from the other. I have literally never noticed that in my life. See, there you go. <laughs> I hate my nose, but no one has ever been like your nose. I love sucks. your nose. You have an excellent nose. Thank you. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like perception is like a wacky topic, right? It really is. And that's a whole episode of its own. But the best way to learn about your body is to look at it, live in it, be grateful for it, 
And if you're talking about mechanics, read about it. If you don't trust everything you see on the internet, the bookstore is free. Go to the bookstore. Go to the sexual health section. You don't even have to buy any of the books. Just like peek through them. We also got a recommendation on our Instagram that I haven't read. Shereen, I'm not sure if you've read it. Uh, It is a book called Period Power that was recommended to us by a listener. No, I haven't. I haven't heard of that book, but that that one for I think because we're gonna have an episode on periods, right? Something to look yes, into. Yes, sure. we're gonna have an episode on like people with uteruses, uh, their reproductive health. So, okay, I think that answered the question. I think so. So, hit us with another one. How can I bring sex up with my friends without it being weird? Mm. You need to make sure you're talking to the right people. Who are your friends? How long have you known your friends? Do your friends share a similar background, history, culture, or understanding of sex and sexuality that you do? If you are Arab, tread lightly, especially if you're living in the Middle East. You don't want a friend who will go tell their mother who will tell your mother. That's exactly right. Yes, because um, while it's not, while your mother may not react negatively, There are times where parents won't react positively to curiosity. There's also times when your friend may not be the most honest with their parent, and they could just be using you and your exploits and curiosities to make themselves seem like sweet baby innocent angels, which Mm, they are fucking not Yeah, that's a big one. See, that never happened to me because I was the innocent angel. Um, Never did that to you, though, so that's good. Nope. Someone did. I know that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You know, honestly, you just um, just kind of like try to figure things out silently. Um, see how they react to things. Like if you guys are watching like a movie together and, you know, there's like a sex scene, just keep an eye out. Try to be a little more observant. You will figure out if they are a safe space. And then honestly, just go into it. For the most part, people are like, crazy interested in these conversations because it's such a big part of our culture. They'd love to get into it. Yes. Also, if you start hypothetically, mm. or if you start by talking about a married couple or like a nearly married couple, like, oh, my cousin is getting married. Haha. <laughs> she mentioned the wedding night to me. Haha. I wonder what that might be like. And if your friend is like, oh, I'm sure she'll look gorgeous in her dress. Maybe not the perfect time, but if your friend kind of cocks their eyebrow and is like, do you mean the night? The night. That's a good friend. The night. <laughs> you know, do what Nude did. She she came to me one day and she handed me a novel and it was very explicit. <laughs> uh, and I gave it back to her with no judgment. And in her mind, she was like, I can talk to this girl. Yup, that is exactly right. <laughs> like, you can do that, honestly. Maybe share media with them and just see how they react to it. And then you can go from there. That's like me telling everybody to watch Fleabag. I had some people react really negatively to it. Most of the people I told to watch Fleabag texted me being like, oh my God, my boyfriend or whoever was like so grossed out and like left the room. I was like, uh, this is not for him, first of all. <laughs> but I have never seen this. I have to uh, see It's this. on Amazon Prime. It is the best show of 2019. I love Fleabag, but it's also like kind of explicit and really just like straightforward and like raw and honest. And another the- one I really, really like. I'm not yeah. sure if it's the same as Fleabag, but Big Mouth on Netflix. 
Oh yeah, I've heard of that one too. But you know, like share media, like if you're interested in it, share media that you know to be a little more explicit. Like me telling people to watch Fleabag isn't really me trying to figure out if they're a safe person to talk to about things. Me telling them to watch Fleabag is just me being like, I was so deeply understood by the themes of like the main character is very misunderstood and who of us doesn't feel like that and who of us doesn't want to be loved and understood. It's not about the explicit parts of it. But if you are looking for people that you do want to talk about sex with, do what Nude did, share media. I gave it back to her and I said, this is fine. I didn't go squeal to anybody. She was good from that point onward. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you for not squealing. Much appreciated. I mean, like, who Um, the hell am I going to tell? Very true. There you go. Not my mom. No, I wouldn't go tell you. Like, I didn't even know your mom. I'm like, I don't involve myself with, like, parents. They know me and know of me. But for the most part, I keep it that way. Yes, it's it's ideal. Yeah. Um, okay. So those were the questions we received on Instagram. But there were three more that we wanted to just kind of cover very quickly because they're, like, quick answers. And we grabbed these off the internet under, uh, like, Google frequently asked questions because that's one of our favorite things to do. Yep. Um, can you get pregnant on your period? Yes. So do you want to explain the mechanics a bit more? I mean... The thing is that, like, depending on where you're at in your cycle, sperm can actually live for a decent amount of time outside of the body. And so mm-hmm. it really only takes it getting in and hitting that egg for, for a conception to happen. That's right, because, like, your period will eventually end and everything will return to um, the, I guess, the normal phase of the cycle where kind of everything is sitting in place. Mm-hmm. And if that sperm has survived long enough for that egg to do what it needs to do to make a baby start to form, it can definitely do that. Yeah. So you should be very aware of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you are ha- on your period, you're obviously not using like any kind of hormonal birth control, right? You're on that like break week to mm-hmm. allow yourself to have your period. Um, then use other forms of contraception. Yep. Is blue balls real? (laughs) I mean, yes, but it's not like going to kill them. (laughs) Like it's painful and uncomfortable, obviously, yes. Uh, Not every man suffers blue balls, by the way. Uh, For some men, once the uh, stimulation is no longer active, they'll kind of just go flaccid again and like move on with their lives, which is ideal. Um, for some men, it, it can be quite painful. I think younger men suffer from this more frequently than um, older dudes, right? I am not 100% sure, but I do want to say something. If a man ever tries to hit you with blue balls, you can just look at him and be like, oh, you have epididymal hypertension that sucks you should go to a doctor because they always try to they always try to act like it's like a thing like it's super casual it's not it's actually a condition that affects more people than it does others and they're not allowed to sit like be out here using it as an excuse for you to like hook up with them also you didn't do it to them this was not your fault you did not cause blue balls. You are not a cock tease. Nobody can hit you with, oh, but you gave me blue balls. You did not. God gave them blue balls. Literally. So if they want to be angry at anyone, they can take it up with God, not you. <laughs> Next question. Um, do all STIs show symptoms? 
No, actually, which is why it's really important to get tested. How often? I mean, it depends, right, on how sexually Mm -hmm. active you are. Um, So I get tested once a year because I am in a monogamous uh, partnership. And uh, once a year is more than enough to ensure that both my partner and I are safe and that nothing is out of the ordinary. Uh, So once a year is good for me. If I were um, engaging with a larger number of partners, I would be getting tested more frequently because there is more risk. Yes, absolutely. And um, there's no shame in getting tested. You're actually taking really good care of yourself. And we here at Don't Tell Baba are proud of you. Very. Good job. Good job. <laughs> um, that's it. That's that's our list. That's good. That's, that was a good list. It is This good. was a good discussion. I think it was. I, I feel pretty good about this. Did we miss anything at all? I don't think so. I mean, as always, if people want to discuss this more with us, they can. Um, always. But I think for the most part, we did a pretty good job of talking about the things that we wanted to talk about. And if anyone disagrees with us, they are encouraged to hit us up. All right. This has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by Ahmad on Fiverr. His username is CH6K0R. Post-production is done by my husband, Mike. Thanks, Ahmad and Mike. For more shenanigans, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Baba Pod. If you want to drop us a line, call us at 530-32-HADAM. That's 530-3242-726. See you next week. And remember, don't tell Baba. Especially not about this. Ooh, for real. <laughs> okay. I love you, Shu. Love you, Nude. Love you all. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.